Be sure to catch live editions of Rogan and Rodney weekdays at noon on AM 570 LA Sports. And don't miss the FNA podcast with show producer Kevin Figures and Clippers host Adam Oslin on the iHeartRadio app. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. An L.A. sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. And we continue on. Fred Rogan and Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Uh, later on this hour, good news for USC. I think if USC wants to stay in the Pac-12 at least, it's good news. <laughs> what do you mean, if? You don't think we want to stay in the Pac-12? No. Okay. Not if you can't make more money. Stop it. Seriously? No. Come on. If there's more money We're going to be independent. Made- yeah, well, if there's more money to be made somewhere else. We're loyal, though. We want to be in the Pac-12. You want to be where the money is. Yes. You graduated from USC. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. You're available to the highest bidder. <laughs> I wouldn't say it like that, Fred. But it's true. And We're business people. Okay, well, you know what? Business might be getting better for yeah. USC. Yes. And UCLA in the Pac-12. We'll talk about that. Tonight, Dodgers back home against Miami. And let's bring on the man that sat in the big chair, our good buddy, Ned Coletti. And Ned, happy Friday to you. Hey, excellent Friday to everybody. Absolutely. God, with the Marlins in town, this is it. Your protege is here. Now, are you You are going to see her, right, Kim Ng? Oh, absolutely. We're going to, uh, she's uh, agreed to join us at, uh, at 6.30 tonight on uh, Spectrum Sportsnet LA. So, it'll be great. We'll have a few laughs, reminisce a little bit, and find out a little bit more about the Marlins. Yeah. Ned, how cool is it that you, you got someone that, that you work with, kind of groomed, and, and to see her go on and, and do the things that she's doing, groundbreaking stuff, but uh, pretty cool to see one of your own kind of make it to where she is, isn't it? Uh, it's very fulfilling. You know, um, it, it's kind of cool to, to be able to have a, a, even a tiny impact on somebody in a positive way. And then, uh, you know, you give them opportunity, and they, they flourish, and they go. And they, they she's done tremendous stuff. And, you know, there's a handful of people that she's worked around during her probably 25 years getting to the point that she's gotten. So uh, a lot of people that, that she knows, but she's earned it all. She has earned it all. She took time. She sacrificed. She went to learn every intricacy of a big-time business in professional sports in Major League Baseball. and. I'm so happy. I haven't seen her since uh, the day she was hired, which is great, or even before that. But it's it's a great honor to be having her on the show tonight. But also just uh, just to know her. She's one of those people that you're you're blessed to have known. Yeah, I was thinking this morning about it. And when you were uh, handling the Dodgers with Frank McCourt in charge, I mean, let's let's just be honest. I mean, if you signed somebody, oftentimes you had to pay out of your own pocket because uh, we, we know how Frank was. And when Kim goes to Miami, she's in a situation where they're trying to reconstruct and create a new culture. Is it very much alike, Ned, that she is working there with uh, not great resources, but still has to build that team? Uh, it's possible, and then we were, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't want for too many things here in LA either. Though, you know, they they did the, they did a decent job with us. They were they were pretty good with us, uh, despite what the public uh, opinion is. 
um, and I think it, it, I think it teaches you a lot when you, when you don't really have the margin of financial error. And, um, you know, there's so much money in sports at, at any, any sport, really. Um, sometimes when you, you don't have a governor on, on, the, on the result or the money means a little bit less to you because it's plentiful, uh, you know, you, I, I just didn't, I never really liked that approach to it. It's not how I grew up, first of all. So I always tried to do the best I could. And, you know, some of the deals we did worked well. Some of the deals we did didn't work well. And it was a lot of money at stake all the time. And I, I never forgot what, you know, how much was at stake. And so you, you know, you do have to measure that and, and, and keep it in, in the context of, of the reality of, of the situation. But I think she'll, she'll do very well with it. And, you know, depending, no matter what the payroll is, it doesn't always guarantee you're going to win. If you look back on the history of baseball, probably the last 30 years, the highest payroll probably has not won a third of the time. So it, it doesn't, it gives you more leeway to make a mistake, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're picking the right people. It's all it's still a people business, and you see. I mean, look what Tampa's done. You know, with payrolls that are very low. You know, Andrew Friedman did it there before he came to L.A. So, you know, it's it's, it's nice to have, but it's not necessary in order to be successful. Your decision making is really what's gonna what's gonna make your your franchise flourish or flounder. And I think she'll do great at it, no matter what the payroll is. Yeah, and it's uh, it's got to be difficult, Ned, for for someone in your shoes, because you've done it for years and you've had to maneuver, um, and and for her. And how do you how do you convey that to the fans when you look at Miami and and where they were and you know the outfield that they had? And as a fan, you look up and and you see Stanton gone, you see Yelich gone, you see Ozuna gone. You're like. We were trying to win something. Now, what are we doing? How do you how do you convey that to the fans? Got to be tough, and I, and I know you don't speak to them every single day about decision making, but sometimes the pocketbook makes your decision for you. Well, that, yeah, exactly. And, and the, the the example you just gave was so poignant. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm Kim, I'm uh, I'm thanking Derek Jeter for not hiring me until after all that was done. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, yes. but that, you know that's a tough message. That's a tough message to, to tell people that hey, you know we're, you know we're trading really one of our strengths, one of our really strong strengths. You're not talking about older players either. You're talking about players that were entering their prime, and uh, one of them an MVP as it turned out, and the other one, you know, obviously a very good player uh, in the National League, and, and then Stanton. You know, he's been hurt a lot, but you know there's a there's a certain allure to, to him as well. Um, you know, those are those are tough moves. I'm not sure that at this stage of my career, even going back a few years, that I I, I would have handled it very well. I'm not sure I would want to be involved in that. You know, I, I love to compete, and I don't mind competing uh, a little bit with one hand tied behind your back, so to speak. I, I, I don't mind that challenge. I don't mind the underdog challenge. Um, I, I find it difficult to uh, to truly uh, tell people that hey, we're we're in this to compete. We're gonna we're gonna we're doing everything we can to win, and then you, you know, you ship off your outfield. You know, I don't, I don't know that I could have been a party to, to that type of a situation. But for Kim's sake, you know, it's uh, she's starting really from a blank slate in a lot of ways, and a good team went to the playoffs last year. Good young players, manager she knows real well. Her and Donnie worked here at the same time, and Trey Hillman and uh, and Rob Flippo, three of their two of the coaches for Donnie and uh, she's had a couple other people from uh, her Dodger days to, to help her with the, the process. But 
you know, I think, uh, you know, you'd, the way I grew up, you do the best you can with what you have. That said, you know, I wouldn't want to ever have to mislead somebody and tell them, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we got a shot to win it all, even though we've just traded 15 players, you know. <laughs> <laughs> even though nobody said we know, you know. <laughs> Ned Coletti with his friend Rogan Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Okay, Ned, so uh, good, good on the Dodgers against Seattle and really a strong finish in that final game. If you're sitting there in the big chair, and that would mean you'd be in the clubhouse talking to the guys as well, is that the kind of momentum shift that turns things around? I, th- I think it is. I think when you – I mean, we'll see. I mean, you, you can't predict one day to the next, but you get a pretty good feel for it. I think the look on everybody's face when Gavin Lux hit the three-run homer on Wednesday and when you saw the the, the clutch hit that Corey Seager had an inning before, all this stuff with two outs – you could almost see, you know, thousands of pounds of expectation and weight lifted off everybody. Uh, the look on their faces was was such a relief, and the way they played uh, on Thursday was the same, or on Wednesday was the same way. I'm, I'm getting my days here mixed up a little bit, but the the Tuesday game, I guess, was the Gavin Lux game, and then yes, uh, Wednesday was the um, the game where they they won it handily. And I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to go back to seeing them grind out at bats, back to see large margins of, of victory, and, and also as you get to a second half of a game, you're going to see them pull away from teams that can't pitch. And I think you know, you're, you're going to run into a little bit of that coming forward here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, you're going to run into the Giants, but you know, that'll be a good test for San Francisco too. But I think that it was, it's good to see you know, it's 20 games, 5 and 20. You know, 20 games is not a season make. It's a baseball season, not a baseball month or three weeks. So uh, I'm pleased with where it is. I, I think that you know that they're on to another great run. I don't you know, Ronnie. You could probably think of you know address this too. So to win as much as they've won for as long as they've done it, Hard. nobody gets tired of winning. No. But it's like you know you 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 do got to take a breath at some point in time. And I think that when you compete the way they compete and they they dominate the way that they typically dominate, you know it, it may be tough to continue to do that without some kind of taking a breath. No, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and last year was was an exception to every single rule, and the mental strain, the physical strain, you know, the 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 whole different element that the pandemic brought to us. Uh, who knows the the yes. toll it, the toll it took on uh, on it as a team, and then individually and personally on on each and every guy. It's all different, so. Yeah, you can you can understand it, but I love the fact that you always say it's a baseball season, not a baseball week, not a baseball month. And as we go through this stretch, and we just talked about you know beating up on Seattle, do you think Miami, no disrespect to them, is coming in at the right time for the Dodgers to continue this momentum? Oh, no doubt. And there's there's very there's very few teams that and I, and I said at the beginning of the season, I don't know how they're going to lose fifty games. Okay, that's probably wrong about that. They're probably going to lose fifty games. But I don't know that there's many teams that are going to dominate this team. And I, I think when you look at the 5-15, and 15, you know, a lot of that was their offense. A little bit of their bullpen getting hurt. Starting pitching has been spectacular almost every single game out there. And, that, and that's really where you begin, in, from my mind, you begin and you end in your evaluation of a club is how do they pitch? How do they, how's, how's their rotation? How's their bullpen? But you know, it wasn't like they were dominated by teams. They just didn't execute along the way, and, and it cost them a game here, a game there. Their one-run record uh, exhibits that. Their extra-inning record exhibits that some. 
But that doesn't mean it's a bad team. That just means that they went through a bit of a lull. I still don't know another team that's going to compete with them, again, for the baseball season in the month of October. Not just, hey, they were really good till Mother's Day or you know Memorial Day. Boy, they were really cooking. And then, you know, the last four months they were under 500-some team. You know, that's what tests everybody in this league. And I don't, I still don't know a team. Even San Diego, as good as they've been, the Giants have been playing, you know, better than anybody expected. I don't see them dominating the Dodgers, beating the Dodgers three out of four in, in four really hard, hard fought games where everybody on both teams is executing and one team just got more talent than the Dodgers. I don't know what I'm going to say that anybody has more talent than the Dodgers. And they know how to win and they know how to play. It took 20 days to kind of recalibrate. Last couple of days have been great from the sixth inning on and from one to nine the other day. And it's great to see Max Muncy coming out of it. You knew he wasn't going to struggle like that all year long because during that slump, uh, Ned, he looked frustrated. I mean, he looked visibly frustrated. Well, he's somebody that, you know, he's sitting in the middle of the order. He's been hitting fourth a lot with, with Cody out and. And people say, well, the, you know, the four spots been producing at 180, you know, one, banning 180, you know, 28th worst in the game and things like that. You know, he's got a great eye at the plate. And as you line up a lineup and as you, as you decide how you're going to attack it as a starting pitcher, we've talked about this a little bit, you look for the soft spots in a lineup. And for a long time, there weren't any. And this, this really had an American League lineup feel to it. The DH year a year ago, one to nine. Now you get guys hurt, you get young guys playing, a handful of them. You get Rios playing, who ends up being being severely injured at the time and continuing to play through it. And so you get some soft spots there. So what they're doing, what they did was they tried to pitch around Max all the time. He still drew a lot of walks. But, you know, as a hitter, as somebody in a cleanup spot, you know, you will, and, and he's about as disciplined as anybody of not expanding that zone. But every once in a while, he's going to see something. Hey, this may be the best pitch I can I can see. I, I got a chance to drive in a run. You know, I'm going to offer at it, even though in a normal situation I wouldn't be offering at it. And and that can get you in a tough spot too. But you know, he's come out of it well. You know, I I always look for good hitters when they start to go the opposite way. When they start, in his case, going to left center. Uh, had a double, I think, in Chicago, and then a, a homer in Chicago, left center, another one to left center the other day. Obviously, he has a, a lot of power to right center and right field, the pole side. But whenever you see JT going the other way, whenever you see Corey Seager going the other way, which you do a lot, Mookie Betts sometimes you'll see him going the other way you know, from second base to the right field side. That, to me, is when they're going to start to get hot. If they're not already hot, that's when they're going to start to get hot because they're not trying to pull it. They're not trying to do too much with it. They're just putting it in play. And they put it in play with with line drive type action to it, and we've seen a lot of that in the last few days. And you know, Seager had a good weekend in in Anaheim, a couple three hit games, and has continued on since. So I, I think they're back to to being the team that that we you know we we expect to see all the time. But we can never take winning for granted either. And what they've been able to do for eight years. That is spectacular. That doesn't just happen, especially in the sport of baseball, where you have to win and develop at the same time in order to do that. Cannot take that for granted. Do not think it just just shows up like that. It is. It has taken a tremendous amount of work, physical work, emotional work, the the mental strain of competition on a daily basis for six, seven months. They have played in the last eight years. They have played another season compared to teams like San Diego, or even really San Francisco for the most part. They haven't played a lot of October baseball. This team has played a whole nother season. 
Plus, as you said, Rod, you know, last year, who knows what that did to people? Just the emotional and, and the, the whole thought process across the globe. Yeah. You know, and they were 43 and 17. I mean, think about that. They're 18 and 17 a couple of days ago. But it shows you the magnificence of, of what they did a year ago. It's tough to maintain that on an everyday basis when you're challenged with it, not once a week or three days a week, but every day of the week you're challenged like that for months. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I knew you, you felt that way, Ned, to talk about winning, and people do take it for granted. If you're not in it and you're not going through it and the grind that you have to go through, I, on the football side, I always people always want to laugh at the Buffalo Bills, but I have nothing but respect for a team to get to the Super Bowl four straight years. That's not easy, and that's very difficult to do. They didn't win it, and that's unfortunate, but they got there. Um, are you concerned at, at, at all, Ned, with the, uh, with, with the injuries that are happening? Dustin May is out. Now Edwin Rios, we found out he, his struggles were due to he was trying to play through an injury. Um, I still think there's something going on with Mookie. He'll never say it, but I think he's banged up. Cody Bellinger. Um, are you concerned at all with, with what's happening early on in the season with the injuries the Dodgers are facing? Well, I, I am to some extent. Um, it's not necessarily a concern as much as it is something uh, you, know, you pay attention to. And if you have a way of fixing it by bringing somebody in from the outside that fits the culture, fits the room, yeah, you probably got to make that move. Again, it's not like going to the warehouse and just going down aisle six to pick up a, you know, whatever you need. Let's go take another Dustin May down aisle six, you know, go go pick up Dustin May. That doesn't happen. But you got to be aware of it, you know. And a guy like Dustin May, I think, has got so much value. Um, as I looked at this team, and, uh, and I'm always looking today and a week from today and a month from today and, and six months from today, you know, Dustin May to me was somebody that, you know, he can start a lot of games for you at some point in time, probably put him in the bullpen to conserve his arm as the year goes on. And then you may be able to use this this, this guy in, a, in late relief, in late situations like, like you did Julio a year ago and maybe Julio again this year. So the versatility that he brought plus the, the maturity that you could just see gaining in his, in his approach and, and how he pitched and, and the addition of different pitches where he had command of it and confidence in you know that that to me is that's a huge loss. And but teams go through it. Teams are always going through it, and it's, it depends on what you do with it. Because nobody feels sorry for you. Nobody's going to give you a pass. Nobody's going to say, "Well, if you win a six inning game, and if you're up after six, we'll give you three quarters of a point." You know, you know, it is what it is. It's not the try hard league. It's the big leagues, and people are competing. And so, but you've always got to. In this particular case, you've, you've got to keep your eye on it. You know, and you've got to see if you got if you have somebody in the minor leagues. You know, maybe Sia Gray is somebody that maybe we see at some point in time, or others. And uh, but you got to measure that out, and you got to measure it out in the right increments at the right time. And decision making is there's two key pieces to it to me: the decision you make, and when you make it. Because it's not just the decision you make; it's when you make the decision you make. The timing of it is also very important. So you got to kind of keep that in mind and understand when is the best time to make the best decision when you're talking about roster movement. Hey, Ned, before I like we... that, Ned, real quick. You said, Fred, did you get that? Yeah, I got it. It's, it's not the try-hard league. It's the big leagues. Right. All right. It is the big league. Hey, Rodney, you didn't play in a try-hard league either. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Ned, before the we coach used to say, "I can get a bum off the street to try." <laughs> you got to get this bad boy done. But <laughs> well, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you, um, and we've touched on it in the past, and I and I watch a lot of baseball. Man, I, I got to tell you, this year the plate umpires are really struggling, Ned. 
and I know oh. you know you can make that that argument every year. They are really, really struggling. I mean, there have really been some some bad calls on balls and strikes. Uh, what can be done about this? That's, that's a tough question. I you know it's uh, I mean Greg Gibson the other night uh, they had a really rough night. Yep. Both teams inside inside part of the plate, outside part of the plate, expanding it, expanding it, expanding it, where guys really didn't know. You know, you're looking for a consistency. Not everybody's going to be the same, but some consistency in a performance. You know, and he's a really good umpire. Um, I'm not sure what happens. I think it's leading more and more to you know to having an automated system. And oh, there you go. Fred, look at Fred smile. Let's go. You know, I I don't know if I you know as, as much, and I think I've said this to you guys. You know, I used to be friends with a lot of different umpires, and I decided you know I I can't I can't be a friend with this person. You know, too much at stake. So we'll just wave from afar, and I'm not sure we're getting any closer to to having it back. I love the human element, but the human element's got to have a closer a closer percentage of success. And I know the rate is in the ninety percentile. But again, that's what that's what you're trained to do, and that's what you got to be able to see and and be able to execute it. You know, I don't know what happens, but I I don't know that in five years from now, ten years from now, it'll be the same as it is today. I think it will be different to to some extent, and maybe a slight change, maybe a, a subtle change here and there. But I I think that change is probably coming. Yeah, it needs to come. All right. Yeah. Ned, thanks for coming on uh, again. Exciting night for you because Kim Ng will be here and, uh, you know, your protege has done so exceptionally well and you have to be really proud and we're excited for you. Thank you. You know, a quick one, real quick here. Dallas Green was my first boss. So we're playing the Phillies. He ends up back in Philly in uh, 08 and 09. We're playing in the LCS and I see him outside the booth before the first game of of, of this 07 series or 08 series. And he goes, he gives me a hug. He tells me how proud he is and all this stuff and how uh, you really work for this. Then he looks at me and he goes, but we're here to kick your tail, pal, and we're going to do it every game, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it. when I see Kim today, I'll say, hey, guess what? You know, glad to have you here. Congratulations. Very proud of you. And hope you leave 0-3. <laughs> well, actually, Ned, we yeah. do as well. So Exactly. <laughs> thanks for coming exactly. on, Ned. You have a great weekend. All right, weekend. guys. Have a great weekend. You know, money talks. It does. And uh, maybe now there'll be enough money to keep USC where it is. We'll explain that. Right. Happy birthday, Raphael Sadiq. Yeah, a little Tony, Tony, Tony back in the day, baby. Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan on a Friday. We don't care. Not at, not not a, at all, no, Freddy. Not one bit. By the way, you probably care about the Dodger tickets. I do. For the Arizona game. I do. Monday night. I do. You've probably been waiting for the code word. I have. And when we give you the cue to call, if you got all seven code words, you're going to win. Oh, yes. We'll be doing that soon. Uh, all right. There's always conversation. And it, it's it, it. there are whispers, and sometimes they get louder, about the Pac-12 conference and the fact that they really have a garbage TV deal, that the schools don't make it. That's how you really feel, Fred. Well, it's garbage. <laughs> the Pac-12 network actually does a nice job, but that it has no carriage because of the way they put it on the air, meaning the member schools don't get as much money as they do, let's say, in the SEC. Or the Big 12. they or, or the Big 10. They just don't make as much money. And USC is a school that really is all about business. And there have been whispers in the past that if things don't improve, 
USC would consider leaving the conference because they could make more money. And earlier you touched on the fact about being an independent. Would you ever see that happening? Uh, um, uh, you know, there was a, remember there was a few years back, there was a big push. There was Texas was talking about it and even USC had, had been talking about it. Uh, but then it kind of died out a, a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see USC going that route. I, I really don't. I see them continuing to figure out a way to make the Pac-12 work. Um, and, and hopefully this new commissioner can. Because it is, at the end of the day, it is all about business. And sometimes you feel if you're the, you know, the big school on the block that's generating the most money, then you feel like you're carrying everybody else and maybe we could do better without them. Yeah, well, you're so, losing money. Yeah. If you're the big dog carrying everybody, you're losing money. Yeah. And that's why Larry Scott and the Pac-12. The whole Jerry Jones argument back, you know, right. when he took over the Cowboys. It's like, why why am I, if, if Jacksonville's not going to really put more money into it, why am I carrying them? I got to get something extra for my logo, which is the biggest in the world. Right. So it makes sense. So the Pac-12 came to an agreement with Larry Scott, the the commissioner, and uh, they decided they would go their separate ways because the new TV deal will be negotiated soon. And uh, they needed somebody in there as the commissioner of the Pac-12 that really knows media. Yes. This is no longer about, uh, are we going to suspend somebody for one game for an (laughs) action on the field? The commissioner is a business guy, and the new commissioner is George Klavkoff. And you go, well, who is he? And why is he there? And quite frankly... When they picked him, everybody went, who the hell's that guy? <laughs> well, where did he come from? Here's where he came from. He used to be in charge of digital content at NBC Universal. He had a, he had a role in Hulu, yep. the streaming service. He knows media and he knows business. And that's your new commissioner of the Pac-12. Yeah. Somebody that can get those schools more money. And he said, he didn't pull any punches. And it, it's kind of refreshing to hear a guy say this. Uh, we need to win in football and basketball. That's where we make our money. Yeah. We need to win. Yeah, those are usually said behind closed doors, mm-hmm. right? But publicly, because you don't want to slight any of the other sports because you are the commissioner of all schools and all sports. You don't want to take it away from tennis or no, rowing or wrestling. No, but you know where where the bread is buttered. And and he, he gets in. I think probably the next sentence out of his mouth would have been, and we need USC and UCLA to be good. Because they're in L.A., they're the two L.A. schools, we need them to be competitive every single year. It's important. He won't say that because it may offend Cal or may offend Washington State. It's just like we talked about, life is better when the Dodgers and Lakers are good. Absolutely. And life is better for not only the the city of L.A., but for the Pac-12 and, for that matter, college sports, if USC and UCLA are competitive. Yeah, they need to win, and he knows they need to win. Yeah. Now, is he going to do anything <clears throat> Pardon me, funny to make that happen? No, of course not. But he's a realist, and he knows what it'll take. And uh, his problem now is the Pac-12 network. Yeah. And when they launched the Pac-12 network, they made some mistakes. You make your money, by the way, from your network TV deals and then your, your own regional network. Look at the SEC network. makes a ton of dough. Some schools have their own network. UT, yeah. Texas, has its own network. makes a ton of money. All right, and that's how they keep funding the athletic department. They need the money. When they launched the Pac-12 Network some years ago, they made mistakes. First thing they decided was, we're not going to partner with anybody. Yeah. You know, if they had gone in right away with Time Warner Cable, all right, you get, you know, 20% of it, 
and we'll take 80. Yeah. They'd be doing much better. But they went on their own. They said no partners. Yeah. They, and and we're going to be. You, they already had the infrastructure. So why? Why? Yeah, it was like a bad decision if you're starting something out. Yeah, because they thought our stuff is so good. Yeah. You're going to demand to carry it and you're going to pay us for it. That's not the way it worked back then. No. Back then it was like this. You want on? Okay. Where's our cut? Yeah. And then we'll put you on and then you'll get paid. You won't get as much, but you'll certainly get more than the Pac-12 has received. Yeah. More people will see you. More people <laughs> will see you, right? And you get paid per subscriber. That would have been the deal to make. They didn't make that deal. So now the new commissioner comes in, but here's the problem. The Pac-12 network needs carriage, as it's called. They need cable systems or satellite providers to carry their programming. That's how they make their money. The network does. But people are cutting the cord. Yeah. You don't have as many people anymore subscribing to cable, subscribing to satellite. They don't. Everything is online. They stream. They might yeah. use YouTube TV. Uh, they might have individual packages that they use, Netflix, yeah. things like that. Netflix, Hulu, everybody's streaming nowadays. Right. So now if you're the commissioner of the Pac-12 and you know the way that you're going to make your money is to get on cable systems, yet cable systems now don't pay as much as they used to because they don't have as many subscribers. Yeah. He starts right in the hole. He's got a problem. The existing deals are great. They're not going anywhere for the other conferences, but for the Pac-12, when you really need to pick it up right now, you don't have as many buyers, and that hurts them. So what does he have to do? He's got to figure out a way to make money streaming Pac-12 events. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got to get creative as to, you know, we're, we're seeing that with and, and boxing and UFC and UFC got it. We're going to partner with ESPN, and ESPN got it. They're going to partner with UFC. Um, it is. We're, we're going to see the day, and we we starting to see it already. Um, the Amazon Primes, the the Netflix, the Hulu's are, are are going to be big time players going forward, and maybe that's a deal, the big deal that they make is they make a deal with Netflix. You know, and and multiple people, as many people can. Watch it off Netflix as they used to be able to watch off of, of Spectrum or, or, or DirecTV nowadays. Because, like you said, everybody's streaming everything. If you went independent, which they tried to do on cable and failed, they could try to launch their own network and just stream it. Yeah. But that would mean that everybody that wanted to watch the Pac-12, yeah. wherever you are in the country, would have to pay, let's say, five bucks a month. Yeah. First, you think people would actually pay five bucks a month to watch Stanford Lacrosse. I don't think so. Don't think that would happen. And second, <laughs> how you put it like that, Fred? You're also going to get Stanford football. You're going to get Stanford football. You're going to get USC football. Yeah. But you're going to get everything. What do, you, what do you got against lacrosse? I got nothing against lacrosse nor rowing. Okay. I'm just saying I don't see a lot of people going, man, are they going to have lacrosse tonight? I got to pay for that right now. Here's my five bucks a month. Or look at it like this. Be real. How many people across the country? Across the country. Could be the world would pay five bucks a month or eight bucks a month for the Pac-12 network. How many? My theory is they would lose even more money. They would yeah. not make money. They would lose even more money if yeah. they went to their own streaming service. I just don't yeah. think there's an appetite worldwide for the Pac-12. No, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I don't think there's an appetite for the Pac-12 in this country, yeah. quite frankly, outside of the West. Yeah, I I agree. I agree that if the if they did try to do it on their own, 
it, 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 it's almost like going back to when they had the opportunity to partner with someone and they didn't. They wanted to do it. They have to have learned their lesson that that didn't work going it alone. And the same thing here. I, I think you gotta you got to do a big partnership with, say, Apple and do an Apple TV partnership and uh, or a Netflix partnership and, and, and go with that route because doing it on your own, I think you're right. You're gonna, they're going to lose so much money because nobody on the East Coast wants to see Pac-12 games that, that start at midnight back there. Right. And the other side of it is, so the guy they hired, Clay Koff, yeah, he knows streaming. Right. That's his expertise. He knows how to get stuff on streaming services. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. Yeah. And maybe eventually the Pac-12 will vanish from cable and just stream. Because uh, as you point out, Netflix or Hulu, Amazon Prime, yeah. they're all trying to expand their programming quickly. You know, if they paid $100 million a year to the Pac-12, we'll take all your stuff. You produce it, but we'll take it. Yeah. They just made money. They just made money. I mean, you think what YouTube is now infiltrating the, the NFL doing so, and, and Major League Baseball. They had some simul games, simulcast games on YouTube. So it's coming, and it's it's already here. I shouldn't say it's coming. It's here. They need to make that deal. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Uh-huh. What you got, Ronnie? What you got? Okay. Little lip. We don't care. It's Friday. Little Lips Incorporated. This is Freddy. This is Freddy. He's right in his wheelhouse right now. You know what it is? Yes. Roller skates in the 70s. Freddy with his hot pants. Come on. <laughs> Cut off jean shorts. Talking about it. High socks. Let's go. <laughs> Tank top. Let's do it. No helmet. Oh, no. 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 Hey, Pedro in East L.A., are you there? Hey, what's up, Freddy? How you doing? Good. How are you? Congratulations. You had all seven code words. Oh, yeah. To go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're about to go to, I haven't been in a game so long. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. Wow. All right. Give us the Ooh. code. Give us the code words. Go. Uh, the code words were uh, field, fans, banner, broadcast, champions, likes, and out. And you are going Monday night to see the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. You got a six-pack of tickets. You got VIP parking. You're set to go. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy. Wow. Who are you, ta- who are you taking to the game? Oh, family. I'm, I'm just trying to think of I can't leave the, and <laughs> can't leave a nephew out. <laughs> no. But, uh, you got to be careful. Don't no. be careful. What's yeah. that? You got to be, be careful. careful. You might leave somebody out because you can't leave somebody out because you got to you got to take the videos. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. You tell no, somebody. I think yeah, six six is just the perfect number. So yeah, it'll be it's gonna be great. I've, I've been in the game so long. So wow, it's so exciting. All right. Well, let, thanks for listening to the radio station. Enjoy every single second of it. Okay. Oh no, th- thank you. I'm a long time listener, first time I guess caller. I Feeling you. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, 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 I love you guys. You guys are great. Thank you. All right, Pedro. You have a good Thank weekend. You. Have a great Monday. Thanks. There he goes. Pedro in East L.A. I all the code it. words. Love that. That's a man that listens to this radio station, Rodney. That's what I'm talking about. That's it. Why would you listen to anything else? Why would you? You know, when you have the app, you can listen live 24 hours a day. Take us with you wherever you go. Yes. If you miss the show, you can podcast the show. Yes. Like Mitch in New Jersey. Yep. Mitch in New Jersey. <laughs> like Gino in Virginia. Right? <laughs> Like yes. Michael in San Antonio. Yes. 
We've got people all over the country. All over the globe. And we appreciate it. This is, I I don't know why when I saw this this morning, I just started laughing. Uh, <laughs> Udonis Haslam of the Heat had not yeah. played all year. Yeah. All right? He gets in there last night. He's going to see some action. He's getting ready. He's in the game. I mean, this is his first appearance. You can imagine how excited he was to be in the game. Lasted three minutes before he was kicked out. <laughs> kicked out after three minutes. <laughs> Waited all year. This is season's almost over. Yeah. He got in there. He didn't play last year in the in the playoffs when they went to the finals. Right. He's in. He's healthy. He's ready. Ready to go. He gets into with Dwight Howard. He's out of the game. He's kicked out. <laughs> three minutes into the game. <laughs> Welcome when, back. When he got kicked out. Like, if you didn't see it and you still should oh, Udonis Asim got kicked out of the game within three minutes, and you're like, what? How did that happen? And then they show the clip of him, and who is he with? Who is he? Who's the yeah. altercation with? Dwight Howard. Boom. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You love him. You hate him. You love him. You hate him. But it didn't shock me. It was Dwight Howard who he gotten into. That was the best. When you were playing, did you have guys, did you ever see a guy get tossed just for losing his mind? Mm, no. No, no, not not so much in in football. You don't guys don't get tossed like they do in baseball or basketball like that. It, it has to be a lot for somebody to get kicked out of the game. You know, is it? It more has to be a dirty play because guys can talk back and forth, and you get penalties and stuff like that. But you don't get tossed out of the game, and and no. But we had a lot of guys get kicked out of practice because some guy was doing them wrong or going a little bit too hard on a Friday or. Or things of that nature, and coaches would just say, get out of here. Absolutely. And when you got kicked out of practice, was it like a, a demerit? Was it like, oh, man, now I'm in trouble, or you just left? No, you just left. You just left. Uh, some some coaches, if they were hard, they would they would actually find the guys. But for the most part, it, it was a disruption to practice, so the coach was like, get out of here. Get, go, go, get out of here, go home. I, I don't want to see you the rest of the day. <laughs> it's more of a, it's more of an embarrassing thing than anything else. Yeah, but if you didn't yeah. want to practice, would yeah, you try to get that's how you do it. practice? <laughs> <laughs> there was those guys too. Yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. be yeah. tired. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll yeah. do something stupid. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> it's a brother-in-law situation where, yeah. All right, man, I'm gonna start a fight with you over here. Let's let's both of us get in a fight so we can get kicked out and get out of here. <laughs> It'd be a fake WWE fight that they would be going on to get out of practice. <laughs> and if the coaches knew that, would they just let them fight for a while and say, right, let's go? Oh, yeah. They, they would make them, if they knew it, you know, because obviously certain guys can't sell it as well as others. Yeah, they would, they would make them do extra stuff. Like they would end up running after practice or something like that. So, yeah, you didn't, you didn't want to try it. All right, let's get you caught up on everything that has happened today up to the very second. We'll do that next with It's Lit. What an incredible play by Max Muncy. The world champion Dodgers homestand continues as the Marlins do battle with the blue this weekend. Hammers one deep to right center and gone. Don't miss a moment of Dodger baseball on AM570 LA Sports, streaming live on the iHeartRadio app. It's not about me, it's about the team. Go Dodgers. Morongo Casino Dodgers on deck kicks off at 6 p.m. Let's freaking go, David.